You're listening to The Thriving Nurse Podcast. I'm your host, Abby Sanchez, and this is episode 105, Overcoming Imposter Syndrome. Did you know your nursing dream job is out there? But it's not something you find. It's something you create. And I can show you how. I'm Abby Sanchez, and I'm a life coach for nurses. Using my experience at the bedside, along with my psychology degree, I help nurses build confidence, manage overwhelm, and fall in love or back in love with being a nurse. So come along with me and I'll help you create the career and life you crave. You ready? Let's go. Hey there, welcome back to the podcast. Today, I'm gonna help you guys work through some imposter syndrome if you're experiencing it. And if you're not sure what imposter syndrome is, that's okay. We're going to get into a more descriptive definition of what that even means in just a second. But basically, it's feeling like you're a fraud, feeling like a fake. So I remember feeling this way when I was a new nurse, getting out of nursing school, starting my first job. I felt like I was just pretending to be a nurse. And I was like, I can't believe They're trusting me with these things and they're letting me do these things. And when I would go into a patient's room, I felt kind of scared that they were going to realize that I wasn't as qualified or as intelligent or as good as I was pretending to be. So if you're a new nurse and you're feeling that way, I'm going to help you guys work through that. Or even if you're not a new nurse, you might feel some imposter syndrome, maybe even still in your current role at the bedside, even if you've been doing it for a long time. Or as you move on to different positions. So if you become a charge nurse, you might kind of feel like you're pretending again, right? Like you're not qualified to be leading your team. Or if you become a manager, it might feel kind of awkward and like you're just kind of faking it. Okay, so I'm going to look at it more from the new nurse perspective. But As you move on to other positions or in other areas of your life where you take on new roles, this is a very common thing to experience, especially for women. So I know not all of the listeners are women, but many of you are and many nurses that the profession of nursing is highly female. So I think it's pretty likely that many of you experience this or have experienced it or will experience it at some point in your life. But before we get into imposter syndrome and working through that, I wanted to give you guys a little update because I got my COVID vaccine today. I'm a little late to the party, but I got my first one and so far feeling pretty good. My arm's a little sore, have a little bit of a headache and just kind of achy all over my body, but nothing major. And as I was thinking about today getting the vaccine, I realized I didn't give you an update on when I actually had COVID, when I had real COVID. So I told you guys back a few podcast episodes ago that I had a mild case of COVID. And one of my symptoms at the time was I lost my smell. And so one of my Bold Nurse Society members was talking to me the other day and she was like, hey, I've been curious, did you ever get your sense of smell back? You mentioned that you had lost it. So sorry to keep you guys hanging, but I wanted to tell you how that all played out. So I did get my sense of smell back. It gradually came back. And one day when I really noticed that my sense of smell was coming back, it was because I was driving in my car and it stunk in there. I was like, hey, 
It smells bad in here. I can actually smell it. That's amazing. And I couldn't figure out why it smelled so bad. So for a few days, I could still smell that stench in my car. And so one day I was like, okay, I still don't have my full sense of smell back and it smells pretty bad in here. Even I know that. So it must be rank. So I started looking around my car to figure out what was causing the smell. And I opened up my trunk and found a bag kind of pushed back in a corner of groceries that I had forgotten to bring in two weeks ago. And inside, there was an entire bag of what had once been frozen salmon. And as soon as I realized it, I didn't even look, which I kind of regret now. The nurse in me is like, I really should have looked. I should have seen what was growing in that bag. But as soon as I realized it was the salmon, I just went to a garbage, threw it in there, and didn't look back. (laughs) So you don't realize you really depend on your sense of smell for a lot of things. So I'm grateful I can smell and hopefully won't leave rotting salmon in my car for two weeks ever again. Thankfully, the smell is now out of my car, so we're good. (laughs) So there's my update, you guys. But let's get in and talk about imposter syndrome, okay? So I kind of gave you a little bit of a definition of what it is, and maybe you can recognize that, like, oh, yeah, I've felt that before in my life. Maybe when I first started clinicals, I felt that a little bit. Or now as a new nurse, I now recognize that, and I just didn't know that was the term for it. So that is imposter syndrome. It's when you don't feel that you're qualified to be in your position. You feel like maybe you didn't really earn your achievements, like you just kind of got through nursing school and it was kind of luck and you didn't really learn the things you were supposed to, but somehow you passed the test. So you don't feel like you really earned your status or should be doing the things that you're doing. And so it kind of feels like you're just pretending that you're something you're not. Now, as I was thinking about this, I was like, isn't that interesting that we have this term imposter syndrome, like we're pretending, but there's a whole group of people who do a lot of pretending all the time and we don't label them as imposters and they don't feel bad about it. So I was thinking about actors, right? Like actors and actresses, they pretend to be someone they're not all the time. They pretend to have qualifications. They pretend to be this whole different identity that clearly they are not that person, but they don't feel bad about it, right? Or for me, I am not an actor, (laughs) but back in fourth grade, I got to be Willy Wonka in my classroom play. And so that was really fun to pretend to be this other person. And I really enjoyed getting into character and just being kind of goofy. And I wore a silly tie that if you've seen like the Dilbert cartoons, my dad was into Dilbert growing up. And so I made this tie that was like Dilbert's tie where it like swoops up. So I put a hanger inside my tie and swooped it up so I could put my note cards in there for during the play. Because I thought that was kind of a fun Willy Wonka thing to do. And so it was just really fun to get into character and pretend to be someone that I wasn't, to be so different than my normal personality. But I didn't feel like an imposter. I didn't feel guilty or shameful or any of that that we often do as new nurses or when we're trying to fit into a new role. Or if I think about little kids, like my daughter, she likes to play 
and pretend that she is a doctor. She's really into Doc McStuffin. So she'll pretend to be a doctor and she doesn't feel bad about that. But for us as nurses, we feel kind of guilty. And I think the difference is because we feel like we're lying and we're doing something wrong. And maybe people are putting more trust in us than we think we're deserving of. And so I think that's the difference between just pretending and being an actor and having fun and this heavy feeling of imposter syndrome. And so that we think we're doing something wrong, we're getting trust we don't deserve, and we didn't really earn our achievements. So I'm going to help you work through that and help you minimize that discomfort. But before I do, one thing I want to say is that it's totally normal to feel discomfort when you're trying something new, when you're stepping into a new role. So I just recently started getting more active on TikTok. I had never really used TikTok before, even as a viewer, but I've just started getting on there and growing the Thriving Nurse account to share tips with people about how to study for the NCLEX and how to build confidence as a nurse and all the things that I'm teaching here on the podcast, right? And the things I've been teaching for a couple of years now as a coach. But as I did that in a new setting, I felt some discomfort. Even though I am an expert in these things, I've been studying them and teaching them for a long time. I felt discomfort as I did something new because it's different than recording a 20-minute or 30-minute podcast episode. These little clips are 30 seconds or a minute long, and you just approach it differently than you do a podcast episode or a coaching session. And so I felt some discomfort with that, and I think that is totally normal. But I think that's different than feeling like a fraud or an imposter. So if I think about my very first coaching session, kind of like my very first time as a new nurse, I did feel some of that imposter syndrome. I felt like I was pretending to be something I wasn't really. And I think the difference between that normal discomfort and that extra dose that kind of pushes it over the edge to feeling like an imposter is we have this fear or concern that we're going to be exposed as a fraud. So if that's what you're feeling as a new nurse, if you feel kind of this heaviness, this anxiousness that you're not qualified, that you don't deserve to be what you're doing, and that maybe people are going to find out that you're not as good as they think you are, then you might be experiencing a little bit of imposter syndrome. And that is okay too. Just like it's normal to feel some discomfort, I think imposter syndrome is actually pretty normal. But I think it can feel more debilitating than just that normal level of discomfort. It's kind of kicking it up a few notches. So I want to help you bring it down a little bit, ease it back down to that normal level where you can keep going, keep rocking it, keep being a nurse and feel more joy and fulfillment even in those early stages. Okay, so first I want to talk about that discomfort we feel, that tension. So I think imposter syndrome is a type of cognitive dissonance. 
So that phrase, that term might sound familiar to you guys because I think for most nursing programs, taking some sort of psychology class is a prerequisite. And in your psychology class, you might have learned about cognitive dissonance. And it's okay if you don't remember what that is. I'll explain it to you, okay? It's basically just a fancy way of saying you hold two beliefs at the same time that contradict each other, okay? So you have two beliefs that feel like they're at odds with each other, okay? So for instance, I recently was invited to a surprise virtual baby shower for one of my friends. Now, I don't know if you guys are like this at all, but when it comes to surprise parties, I feel kind of uncomfortable because I'm really worried I'm going to give away the surprise and I don't want to ruin it for the person who put all this effort into planning it and the person the party's for. I want everything to go really well. I want them to be surprised and to be so much fun. And so when I get invited to surprise parties, I'm like, oh no, I'm going to ruin it. I'm going to give it away. And I hope I don't have to lie to this person in order to keep the surprise. So I start feeling a little bit of cognitive dissonance. So my two beliefs that I'm holding at the same time are, number one, it's bad to lie. I shouldn't lie to people, especially my friends, right? So that's one belief. It's bad to lie. But belief number two is I'd ruin the party if I gave away the surprise. So you see how those two beliefs kind of contradict? I shouldn't lie, but I also shouldn't ruin the surprise. So just having these two beliefs at the same time when they're at the forefront of our minds, it creates some tension for us. We feel cognitive dissonance. But that tension is kicked up even higher when we act on one of those beliefs. Because now we're not just thinking those two beliefs. It's like we've chosen one that we favor. And we're going to actually act on it and do something that shows that we value that belief more than the other one. So for instance, if I saw this friend whose baby shower I was invited to, and she asked what I was doing during the day of the shower, and I told her about some fake plans in order to keep the surprise, then I would feel even more dissonance because now I still have the belief it's bad to lie, but I favored the other one that I shouldn't ruin the surprise, right? So you see how those actions favored that belief. And so the other one is like, wait a second, I'm still here. And it creates more tension. Now, there are a couple ways to relieve this tension. The first is you can get rid of it by getting rid of the action, right? So just like that action intensified the tension, if I get rid of the action of lying, then the tension goes away. So for me, since it's a virtual shower, this friend actually doesn't live close by. I was like, okay, I don't want to feel that cognitive dissonance when I lie to my friend in order to keep the surprise. And so I'm just going to avoid talking to her for a couple weeks until after the party. So then I'm not put in that position where I end up lying and saying things that aren't true. So the cognitive dissonance is minimized, right? Now, the other way I could minimize it is by changing my beliefs. 
So the first way was we could change our actions so that we're not favoring one belief over the other. But the other way is we could change the beliefs so they don't contradict anymore. So with this example, if I want to keep the surprise and not ruin the party, I might keep the belief it's good to not tell my friend, right? But I could change the belief about lying. So I might think it's appropriate to lie in some situations. And I might, you know, make some little caveats of when it is okay to lie. So if you're doing it for someone you love and you're doing it in good fun and you plan to tell the truth, like I might have these different criteria that's like, generally it's not good to lie, but it's okay to lie if it meets this criteria. And I could say, okay, so now these things exist together because I'm not lying to cover up something bad I did or in a way that's going to be harmful. I'm doing it out of love and out of good fun. I plan to tell her later and I don't want to ruin the surprise. So I can have both of those beliefs. And so then even if I do fib a little bit, I don't feel that tension because those two beliefs now line up. They don't contradict each other anymore. Okay, so we can change our actions to relieve the tension, or we can change our beliefs so they match up together. So that's what I want to suggest to you to relieve the cognitive dissonance, that tension created that we feel when we have imposter syndrome. Okay, so I want to explain to you and kind of walk you through how imposter syndrome is a form of cognitive dissonance. So we have two thoughts and they contradict each other. And that's why we feel so uncomfortable. So thought number one might be something like, I'm supposed to do these things for my patients, right? Like I'm supposed to give these medications. I'm supposed to answer these questions. I'm supposed to do these different tasks or In your category of thought number one, you might be thinking things like, they're trusting me to do these things. They think I'm capable of it. They're relying on me, right? So we have these thoughts that kind of create this sense of obligation to do the task. Like it's our duty. We're supposed to do them. They're trusting us and counting on us. And then thought number two is, but I'm not qualified to do those things or some version of that, right? So maybe you have different thoughts, but we'll use these two as an example, okay? So I'm supposed to do these things. I'm not qualified to do these things. Pretty uncomfortable, right? You see that tug of war going on in your brain? I'm supposed to do it, but I'm not qualified to do it. So it just tugs back and forth and we feel all this tension. And then there's that extra anxiety and worry that we're gonna be revealed as a fraud. So just like with that example I gave you with the baby shower, there are some things we can do to relieve this tension. So you can change your behavior. So there are a lot of ways to do this. So many of us might think, okay, if I'm going to change my behavior, then I have to stop giving meds. I have to stop doing assessments. I have to stop answering questions. All those things, when I feel the dissonance, when I do them, I have to stop doing all of that so that I can feel better. And I want to tell you that is not the case. You can change your behavior in other ways 
that relieves the cognitive dissonance. And sometimes I recommend that you do that because for patient safety, we shouldn't be doing things that we truly don't believe we're qualified or comfortable doing that we think we can really do in a safe way. So for instance, if a patient asks you a question and you try to muddle your way through an answer to seem knowledgeable and you just give them whatever information comes to mind, you might give them some false information, right? And we don't really want to do that. We want to give them accurate information. And so that action is going to create some tension for us because we're like, I'm not doing my duty as a nurse to provide accurate information to my patients. So instead of just quitting and not being a nurse anymore and thinking, I'm just never going to be able to do this. I'm going to feel uncomfortable all the time. Let's change our behaviors in ways that can relieve the tension and you can continue being a nurse. So some other ideas are you could tell them you don't know, right? They ask you a question about a medication and you say, I'm not sure. Let me find out for you, right? Seems so simple, but I know a lot of us worry like, oh, then I'm going to lose the patient's trust. Then they're going to realize I don't know everything I should. And maybe, maybe that will be their perception of you, but maybe not. Maybe they'll trust you more because they'll know, okay, this nurse is going to be honest with me. They're not going to do things they can't do safely. They're not going to give me false information. So maybe they'll lose trust, but maybe they'll also build trust. Now, if you don't want to flat out say, I don't know the answer, you can skip that part and just say, let me look that up. Let me go talk to my charge nurse. Or that would be a great question for the doctor, right? You can find other ways to make sure you're giving them accurate information instead of just trying to fake an answer, okay? So I want you to see that though changing your behavior can relieve that tension, there are many ways that we can do that and still be a nurse. We can still keep moving forward and developing our skills and we don't have to just stop in order to make that tension go away. So you've got some other options. Explore those other options. Because if we don't, if we think the only option is completely stopping, then we're not going to keep evolving. We're just going to keep doing the things we've always done because then we don't feel tension, right? So as a brand new coach during my first coaching session, if I would have said, I feel like a fraud, I don't feel like I really know 100% what I'm doing. If I would have said, then I shouldn't be a coach anymore, then you see how I wouldn't ever be able to get to the point I'm at now where I feel comfortable coaching and I have so much more knowledge and I've really honed that skill. And it's the same for you as a nurse. If you just stop because you feel tension, then you're going to have to just go back to whatever you were doing before that you were comfortable with. So it's okay to feel that tension, but we can find ways to minimize it. So that's our first option is you can change your behavior. But if you remember, our second option is you can change your beliefs. So remember those two beliefs I said that were at odds with each other. Thought number one was I'm supposed to do these things. And thought number two was I'm not qualified to do these things. 
So we could change either of those beliefs. So thought number one, you could change the belief to, I don't have to do those things. I can find someone who can do those things and help me and I'll get them done, right? So that could be the thought that you go to. And then it matches up with the I'm not qualified one. It's like, okay, I got the help I needed. I'm becoming more qualified. The tension is relieved. But the thought I want to help you guys play around with that I think is a little more challenging for us to replace is thought number two. I'm not qualified to do these things. I think that one just feels really true to us. Like, I'm not qualified to be a nurse. I don't know enough. But I want to help you change that belief. And it's okay if that doesn't happen right away. If you don't all of a sudden think, I am a super knowledgeable, experienced nurse. It's going to take some time for you to form this new part of your identity. Because that's really what you're doing, right? You're adding on a new piece to your identity. And it takes your brain a little time to catch up with that. So I think about when I first got married, I chose to change my last name to my husband's last name. So my maiden name was Blaisdell. My name was Abby Blaisdell. And after I got married, I became Abby Sanchez. And so it took me a little while to get used to signing my name. I would go to do my signature and I'd write Abby Blaisdell. And I'd be like, oh, dang it. Or if someone asked me, you know, at the doctor's office, what's your name and date of birth? I'd be like, Abby Blaisdell. Oh, wait a second. I know my name. I'm Abby Sanchez. And so that's what I think of it like, where it's totally normal that your brain takes a little time. It kind of lags behind as you're changing this part of your identity. But just like I didn't panic when I would say my name wrong or write my name wrong, I was like, oh, of course, it makes total sense that I would do those things because for the past 24 years, I've been thinking of myself in this way. And it didn't include this new identity. So now it's going to take me some time to get used to it. So I want to offer that to you guys as a way to think about it, that it's totally normal. You feel uncomfortable, that you kind of feel like a fraud because your brain just hasn't caught up with this new identity yet. But there are some things we can do to help it catch up. So I want to look at this thought, I'm not qualified. What if that thought isn't true? Like I said, it feels really true to us. And the reason it feels so true is because of the way we're defining what it means to be qualified. I think many of us think that to be a qualified nurse, it means we know all the answers. We don't have any questions. We don't need to ask for help. And we're able to get everything done during our shift that we're supposed to do and everything goes smoothly and we never make mistakes. I think that's what we think in our mind it means to be a qualified nurse. And maybe it's not at the forefront of our minds like a conscious thing, but just kind of under the surface, that's the standard we're holding ourselves to if we're going to consider ourselves to be a qualified nurse. But you could actually change the definition of what it means to be qualified. Because the truth is, you are totally qualified. What did you have to do to qualify for this job? You had to graduate from nursing school. 
did you do that? Are you faking? Like, did you not really pass your classes and you didn't really get that degree? My guess is you probably got your nursing degree, right? So you checked off that box for being qualified. Did you pass the NCLEX? If you were an imposter, you might be faking, like you didn't really take the NCLEX and you're telling everyone you did and you printed off a fake sheet of paper saying you passed it, right? But you're not doing that. You took the NCLEX and you passed it, so you are qualified. You got hired for this job. You went to the interview. They said, yes, we want you on our team. You're supposed to be here. You're the nurse we want. You're hired. So you're not pretending to be a med surge nurse or to be working on the cardiac floor in the ICU or the ER or to be in a skilled nursing facility or whatever job you're doing. You were hired into that position. So you are supposed to be there. You went through their orientation. You got trained on different things, right? So once we really question that belief, I'm not qualified, we kind of realize it's a bunch of crap. (laughs) It's a total lie that our brain's telling us. So we can start believing that we really are qualified. And we can also notice all the things that we do during our shift that show that we're qualified, that show that we have different skills. Did you start that IV? Did you do an assessment? Did you make a care plan? Like start noticing all those things that show that you're qualified. And as you look for that intentionally, instead of just believing your brain that you're not qualified, it doesn't feel like such a big leap to believe that you are qualified. My daughter likes to play this game that has a bunny in a river and it's hopping from log to log or to different rocks and the logs and the rocks are moving. And so if you don't make the jump, then you fall into the river and you lose a life and you have to start over. So that's how I kind of think of this way of bridging the gap of imposter syndrome. If we can move those rocks closer together, it doesn't feel like such a leap. So one of the rocks are how we view ourselves as a nurse and our capabilities. And the other rock is what it means to be a qualified nurse. So those suggestions I just told you, those move the rocks closer together. Instead of believing to be a qualified nurse, it means you never need help or ask questions. If we change it to be To be a qualified nurse, you got through nursing school, you passed the NCLEX, you got hired, you went through orientation. You see how that moves the rock a little bit closer? It's not so far away. And that other rock about our own capabilities, as we look for the things that we're doing that show that we actually are a capable and competent nurse, like starting the IV and doing the assessment and making a care plan, that moves that rock a little bit closer to the other one. So there's still a gap between the rocks, but it's not nearly as big. It's not such a huge leap to get from where we are now to where we think we should be to be a qualified nurse. So we can make that jump a little bit easier. And as we keep doing it, those rocks just get a little bit closer together every time until all of a sudden they're on top of each other. We know 
that we are qualified, even though we still have questions, we still need help sometimes, we still have to go out of our comfort zone, but it doesn't mean that we're a fraud or that we're an imposter. So I encourage you guys to do that, to start moving those rocks in your mind a little bit closer together. And as you do, even though you'll still feel some discomfort, which it's totally normal to do, it'll relieve some of that tension because you'll understand where it's coming from and you can intentionally bridge that gap. So I hope that helps you guys out. I hope that whether you're a new nurse or you're wanting to pursue other goals, that you don't let those uncomfortable feelings of imposter syndrome hold you back. It's totally normal and we can intentionally bridge the gap so you can keep going. All right, you guys, I hope that helps. Thank you so much for being here. And if you've got a second, I would so appreciate it if you would go to Apple Podcasts and leave a quick review for Thriving Nurse. Thanks so much. I'll talk to you later. Take care. Who's your life coach? If you don't have one, I would be honored to be your coach. Come join me in Bold Nurse Society, my virtual coaching program where I help nurses build unshakable confidence, create meaningful relationships, manage stress, and intentionally create a career and life they love. Each month we dive deep into these areas of personal growth through our monthly class and live coaching calls. You'll have access to me to ask questions anytime and you'll get access to special bonus courses I know you'll love. Everything I've created is through the lens of the nursing lifestyle, so it's realistic and convenient for nurses. So whether you're a day shifter, a night shifter, a parent, or busy with other adventures, Bold Nurse Society is designed to fit your lifestyle. So if you're ready to take what you're learning on the podcast to the next level, come hang out with me in Bold Nurse Society. Go to thrivingnurse.com forward slash work with me to learn more. I can't wait to see you there.